survived her in the lane Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Night Fits podcast. We are here live at SEC Media Days, fired up to be joined by Chris Marlin. Chris is a return guest on the show, host of College Football Uncensored podcast, and had quite the travel adventure to get here. So, welcome to Nashville. Finally, yeah, friend. man. It, I haven't been here in ten years, and it felt like God was trying to make sure it was another time. It was <laughs> like, like at one point, I was like, maybe something's up. Maybe I just need to go home uh, and just hang with the dog. Well, it seemed the fates had it lined up so that you could get here yeah. and, uh, and needle Kirby a little bit with, uh, with first or second question yeah. of the day. I, I was shocked that I got to ask the question that early. I was even more shocked that the only people that were upset were Auburn media <laughs> for some reason, which was wild. I, it, listen, like I, I, we've talked about it before. Anybody that knows me from Twitter and Burn Fun Quiz Talk and stuff knows I pick on everybody, right? I'm a group of Bama fan. I am fully on board and aware that Georgia's the best program in the country, and I don't see any of this slowing down anytime soon. The 7-5 and five thing I thought was hilarious, because it happened last year on the field, and it, and it, but it happened the moment I was like, no one said that. Surely no one said that. So yeah, it was fun trying to ask the question. The question I had was actually somewhat, I thought, like pretty like important, because it, I don't know, if he's a perfectionist, I don't know what you look at from this program and think of like where the, where the weaknesses are. Yeah. Because there aren't really any to see in every single phase. So yeah, that was my main question, and I got so nervous, I didn't know what he said, to be honest, I'll go back and check the tape. I thought it was interesting how, as he normally does, mm -hmm. he set the tone for this 2023 season right. with the better never rest. Yeah. It, seemingly, he always has the catch ready to take mm -hmm. away. I think he is brilliant, whether it's here at an event like this, or in his weeklies that he does back in Athens, right. of setting the tone mm -hmm. and using the media to give a message either A, to his team, mm -hmm or be to the fan base, what were your takeaways on that today? So, I've been retweeting this out earlier, and I said, there's, I don't think there's a better coach in the, in the country, country but maybe the conference for sure, that sends a message to their team through the podium better than Kirby, and the way he's able to communicate to his team about different things, and what he expects of them, and what the media's trying to tell them. I, he gets, he did such a good job, he's so composed, he's so far out ahead of everything, it feels like, that like, I just continue to be really impressed with him year in and year out, because he's still kind of relatively young in his coaching career, the, the phrasing, I think, this year was, what was it, better never rests? Yeah, better Not never as rest. cool as we will not be hunted. That was <laughs> yeah. not as cool. Yeah. The, I mean, the we will not be hunted thing, I think, even even me, I was like, oh, I'm fired up. Like, I'm ready to go through a brick wall. It was so good, though. And, and like, it's hard to motivate kids, and it's hard to fight complacency. Him using that word repeatedly, I thought was more important than anything. So, some interesting news came out today mm -hmm. that transfer from Texas A&M, Smoke Bowie, mm -hmm. has left the program. Okay. Um, I found that a interesting news drop today, mm -hmm. um, but also, which what's your take on that? Do you think it's just a volume thing, where there was not enough reps for him there, or what's your feel on that? Hey, listen, we're still in the Tyke Smith era of Georgia defensive backs. Yeah. Like if people forget about him, I, there's if there's anything I'm not worried about, it's Georgia's defense. It, like whether it's from a coaching up standpoint or recruiting standpoint, whatever. It was probably the least important thing I've heard today. Like, and that includes like my mom calling me telling my dog. You know what I mean? Like, it was. I, I think I think that like there's zero reason to be concerned with it. And you talk about he made a he made a point during his his like podium presser, that, which was in the COVID year, they've kept 17 of 20 players, but that is yeah. unheard of in this day and age of football. Um, you want to compare that to a different coach in Tuscaloosa? I'm pretty sure from that class I did a deep dive on this in December. I think it's only like 
11 of like the 25 or 6 from that class. I'm not worried about the, the defense. I think it's a non-issue completely. Do you think that given the enormous pressure that mm -hmm. there's going to be coming off back-to-back -back national championships, which he does have experience mm -hmm. with uh, from his time at Alabama, but it, it, it seems that Georgia is now trying to climb the same mountain that Alabama has climbed for over a decade, yeah. which is maintaining this seemingly uh, unmaintainable level of excellence yeah. and success. How do you see the program set up to continue that and, and to keep climbing? Let's not forget that if it wasn't for a kick six, Alabama would have three-peated. Um, actually, that Florida State team was all-time. But um, there's no way to approach this question without saying it. The schedule is your best friend this year. It, but, it, but here's the thing, too. Georgia is by far and away the best program. They've recruited better than anybody in the country. And, and the other part is, like, I, as a band fan, I hear about the nine fives when they're coming in. Nobody's developing at the rate that Kirby's developing. Yeah. That's the biggest thing I think that separates them. So... How do you how do you fight complacency? That's always tough. The schedule is going to be your friend because here's the other thing too: is once you get to November, once it starts getting serious and, and the goal seems like attainable, because that's that's when you start focusing in, right? Like it's like it's it's easy. You saw it last year with Mizzou and Kent State, where you kind of like stumble out of the gates. Maybe it's like a, a noon kick or something like that, which y'all get a lot of those for some reason, where you kind of are yawning your way through sixty minutes. You're not going to have that really here. There's no one that's on the same par with Georgia even close until November. And even then, it's like I, I still say they're a two-score favorite Tennessee. I, I love the setup for Georgia this year because I, I don't see anybody beating in the regular season. And then outside of Ohio State, from a talent standpoint, which is the playoff, I don't see anyone that can, that can like match up with them. Yeah, to your point, I don't. I not only think the schedule is favorable from a long-term perspective, I think the way it's constructed on the front is mm -hmm. great for them, given that you're transitioning to a new quarterback right. who needs game reps, and he essentially gets a four-week exhibition window. Yeah. I mean, I hate to call it that. Yeah. And look, that South Carolina game maybe is a sure. test, but it's at home, so you don't feel as bad about him going on the road for an SEC right. test like that. And then to your point, by the time you get to November, mm -hmm. you have to face Tennessee and Neyland. You have Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss right. between the hedges. You hope... They're a little bit battle-tested yeah. and can do that. Um, and yeah, I thought that's how it was last year. They threw right. the switch, I think, Tennessee League, which, to your point, <laughs> you forecasted very well to the chagrin of a lot of Tennessee fans. Yeah. Um, for me, and I think maybe you've commented on this before, but doesn't that Lane Kiffin coming to Sanford give you a little more nerves than them going to Neyland to play Joe Milton? It does. It, it does for the standpoint of, I saw this last year with Tennessee, and I, I listen, Tennessee last year, I said it over and over in that video. They were a great story. They were a great team. They were not to be 19 LSU, and they never were going to be. And I think that they're going to be improved on defense because, like, how else could you not be? Yeah. At this point? yeah. Um, Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is the best quarterback that's ever played statistically in Tennessee, and that includes Peyton Manning. Like, I mean, like, if you look at the numbers, it's not even close. And I'm sure they're in different offenses, errors, whatever. Doesn't mean Peyton Manning wasn't great because I'm sure somebody's going to get upset. But when you talk about Kiffin, Kiffin. Kiffin and Sark are the two best on-script play callers in the country. Ryan Day is probably up there, too. We saw that a little bit last year in Atlanta. The Peach Bowl, I think with, with Ole Miss, what the quarterback situation is, like they don't have Matt Corral. They don't have a guy like that that he's going to be able to like run out there and and have a tremendous amount of success. They have a good running game, but if you're going to tell me that somebody's going to go into Sanford Stadium or any place with a bang playing Kirby Smart defense and they're going to run the football, and I'd be hard-pressed to do. Let me ask you about Sanford. We have talked on our show about the emergence of the 12th dog mm -hmm. in Sanford. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Come on. You love it. I, you're you're going to start using it now. We'll be very happy. We're going to hear it on College Football Uncensored, and we're going to need a copyright on that. Okay. 
But so the, the point of saying that though is that I think fairly yeah. in the past you could say that Sanford wasn't always the most electric or intimidating yeah. atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I think that has shifted in the last three to four years. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't remember. I think all of that has been brought up for no reason. Like, I, I don't really. The, the whole, I'm not going to say his name because he's an idiot. But the guy from <laughs> Barcel that brought it up. You can say his name. He's a, this is a PG thing, but there's nothing I can't say his name without like he's an effing idiot. Like yeah. like what he said. I've I've gone to games in San Francisco since I was four years old, and it's always been pretty electric. I, like maybe they don't have the best home record, but it's because you had Ricked and golf. And I, I think that the entire mindset of that that like Sanford's not that electric comes from a little bit from that blackout game in 2008. But I don't know how because like I like go back one season. They played Arkansas at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Athens is the best city in in America and best college campus in America. There's 115 bars there, and you had to start a game at noon against the top 10 team, and you beat them 34 to nothing or 37 to nothing. And they reached this whole level that was like I think the best in the nation that year, yeah. including whiteout games at Penn State and Neyland and all that kind of crap. I don't. If you don't think it's like a top tier, like advantage to have Sanford or like the 12th dog. He said it, see? It's It's already picking up steam. Um, But I mean, if you don't think that, you either haven't been to Sanford, or you have an experience being embarrassed in Sanford, and you're going to at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, we certainly agree with that. That is just, I feel like, been the narrative that, you know, hey, Sanford hasn't been this booming spot, like going to Death Valley at night, or, you know. Well, no one's like Death Valley. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, I feel like that's a tough couple, anyways. But to your point, I do feel like, to go back to Kirby, Mm -hmm. I think he wanted to make a point right. to involve the fan base mm-hmm. and for the fan base to feel like, hey, look, you're as much a part of this as these guys are here. Yeah. And I think that Arkansas game was a coming out part for that. So I completely agree. We're putting the flag in the ground that we're one of the best. I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. I don't know of a fan base, and I'm strictly talking about Twitter and a couple of people on Twitter. I don't know another fan base that doesn't realize maybe that they're not on the team as much as some of these sort of fans. <laughs> and listen, because here's the thing. It's the most exciting part of the, of the journey, right? Like, you have reached the mountaintop. You are the mountaintop. And now you can sit here. And, and here's the other thing, too, about Sanford. Anybody saying that Sanford is not like an elite atmosphere is saying that because they have literally nothing else to pick on that's a bad, non-elite, non-top-tier like thing about UGA's program right now. And if that's what we're trying to do, you're still wrong. You're still wrong if you don't yeah. think it's one of the best. But also, it's like, that's, we're just, we're, we're really getting nitpicky over nothing. You tweeted out today that everything that they are doing in Georgia is just beginning. And I think you're right in a lot of ways because Kirby's young and he's ambitious. And I think probably most scary for the rest of the college football world is he is ferociously driven. And um, tell me this, because obviously we're biased, but does he seem to be getting better at this each year? I feel like he's getting more and more comfortable in his shoes and owning the role that he stands in. I think it's, I think you're right. I think he's got more of a confidence now because it's like you got the monkey off your back that way, right? Um, I, I hesitate to say this, but even as a Bama guy, I don't think that Saban was doing it at this level. And it's not because Kirby isn't there, so let's stop with that. It's because he's done, he's like, when they started with the NIL stuff, when they started with the transport, they started with those stuff, early signing day was the first like process that was, I think all this started, which was, 
you really don't give any time off to these coaches, like at all. Yeah. He mentioned it today in, in July message. I don't know how he hasn't for Christmas in July. Like I said on Hallmark every weekend. Thanks, mom. <laughs> um, but like they, they, when he was talking about how, or when they when they brought in the trench portal all that kind of stuff, I remember saying I was like, they're not going to feel bad for any of these coaches because they're millionaires, right? Um, as we learned from the Titanic stuff, no one's going to feel bad for millionaires apparently. Yeah. Billionaires especially. So, but like with Kirby, he's young and it. That whole grind doesn't stop. It's like a cliche that you see from somebody that can't spell entrepreneur or calls themselves that in their bio. So, like, that whole thing about, you know, when we have to get up and we get to tire us the recruit, and then re recruiting, save your team, it's a never ending cycle in college football. And he's young and he gets it, and people want to play for him. And I said this last week if you're, if you're trying to eat the league, why would you not go to Athens, Georgia? Especially yeah. in the events. There's no reason to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, between the spotlights you're in because you're the title hunter every year, and then the amount of talent they're bringing in, which now scouts have like are there all the time, it just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, and he's, we've always said that if you were able to put a wall around him and just keep kids in state, you'd have plenty of success. And seemingly, he's done that in a lot of ways, even though they're still losing kids from, from inside the state. They've had, they, they've lost seven of the top ten players in the state two years ago. They only signed it. Four of the top ten, I think, this year. Two of the guys he got two years ago. One was Miko Williams, and one was um, Malcolm. Yeah, two, two pretty two good players. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what I'm most surprised about, I think, maybe with Kirby, and we talk about this on our podcast too, is that he hasn't had to put a fence around the state, yeah. and it hasn't mattered because Georgia is, is the third most talented state in the country. I mean, anybody's in California, like, what are we doing? Just what are we doing? Um, he hasn't had to do that. He's had to get people to get, like. When I was growing up, Georgia being a national brand was kind of a joke, I thought. And now it is every bit of a national brand. And you're going to have kids from all over the country that want to come play for you. Um, and I don't, again, like, I just don't see it stopping. One of the most exciting things about this week, in particular, mm-hmm. SEC Media Days, is it kind of feels like we're not so far away now yeah. from the time of year that we all love the most. How much do you love coming to this event and how fired up for you for free? Odd days from now when college football is back in our living rooms. Yeah, man, so this is my favorite week of the year. It is. Because you, like, we get to do stuff like this. We don't have to, like, you know, you get to you get to see everybody that you work with, your peers, all that kind of stuff. This is your first time coming. Yep. So it's, like, the coolest. I, I always, my first time coming here was, like, the coolest experience yeah, ever. It's going to grow um, It's so much fun. You get to see people that, like, like that, you know, usually you just see on social media, right? Yeah. Because um, that's just the nature of our job now. But getting to talk to other people. And the, and the coaches and all that kind of stuff. It's so much fun. And they're so accessible. And it's still July, so you're still in a good mood. Um, yeah, man, this is, again, this is my favorite week of the year. I, 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 I rarely have a time where I feel more at home and, like, in my own element than this because you don't have to be a big J journalist about stuff like that, like, which I, it's a whole other thing. And the coaches, I feel like, are more susceptible by wanting to have fun. Like, the Brian Kelly thing last year about his accent or, or we were saying something to Sam Pippen about his record against the spread, and he was, like, laughing about that. Like, it's a lot of fun to be able to come here and kind of, like, rub up with some people that you rarely get to see in person, and then also get to talk to people in, like, a more relaxed setting. Well, Chris, we appreciate you spending time with us yeah, today. Man. Thank you so much. We love what you what you do within the college football space. <laughs> love your content. Even though you're a Bama guy, yeah. we'll, still, we'll still accept you. So, guys, make that. sure and follow Chris. Make sure and listen to the podcast. Um, and you're obviously welcome back anytime. Yeah, I hope the travel's back or easy. Oh, no worries. I appreciate it. I gotta run. I gotta run. So get that done. Have a good one. Hey, George is better now.